important. And we're going to talk about that in just a little while. But, but I want you to know that you are important here, okay? Whether you're little, whether you're big, whether you're a student in college, whether you're high school, whether you're, you know, 50 years out of school. This family is made up of people who matter. So thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together this morning and let's ask that God be with us today. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for you and we are so thankful for giving us seasons and moments in our seasons to remember. Lord, there is a cycle, there is a calendar, there, are, there is a, a very methodical way that this world works. And, and we are thankful that you've given us moments where we can collectively remind one another of what it is we're doing why it is we follow and and who it is we believe so this morning lord hear the worship from our children lord hear the worship from our adults hear our hearts lord you know that they are heavy you know some are light but we come to you as we are today because we are thankful and because we believe Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning through me, Lord, your flawed servant. And I pray that you would allow us all to hear intently. Lord, help us not to leave here the same. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, today we continue our road down resurrection. It is the narrow road. It is the road of Jesus, and it is one that will not always be easy. It's going to require a lot from us, as we've heard the last few weeks. So I'm going to encourage you still, pay attention. Be fully present to the road you're walking, wherever you are. Be fully present to that. You'll find purpose, you'll be reminded of your destination, and you'll see others who are walking alongside of you. Others will give you an opportunity to show grace and mercy. Uh, Others around you will give you an opportunity to forgive, to live this way of Jesus. Because there are some that you will pass on this road that have completely stopped walking. We've seen it. Some people are actually walking backwards thinking, I don't know if I want to go any further. So it's our job our responsibility to encourage one another, to remind one another of our destination. When we remember, when we keep that destination in our minds, in our sight, Jesus in our sight, it helps us to endure. We talked about that last week. Did you know it, it, encourages, it encourages us when we encourage one another? It encourages us to all endure to keep going in in that encouragement that we share with one another you know when we travel together god is there with us and we are not alone he's there leading us he's guiding us he's our light he's helping us you know jesus himself and matthew says he who endures to the end will be saved jesus was about to show his people how to finish a journey 
So turn with me to Luke chapter 19. This is where we're going to be today. We're going to rest in this chapter. I'll refer to a couple others, but we're going to be mainly in Luke chapter 19. Now let me set this up for you. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. If you remember in Luke chapter 9, Jesus set his face resolutely to Jerusalem. If you remember that, that image, you know, it's the clenching of the jaw. It's that moment when you get really determined. It's like I'm trying to tell my son, you know, when you get up to the plate and you're ready to bat, clench your jaw. Give me that angry face, right? You're about ready to hit. Jesus was determined. <laughs> Is this a weird face? He's got, his, he's got his determined face, right? Jesus set his face resolutely to Jerusalem, and not everyone was willing to join him. Remember the Samaritan village just said, ah, we don't want you. So when you set your face resolutely to something, not everyone's going to be willing to follow. Remember that. So Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And so along the way, he passes through Jericho. Now Jericho is still there, by the way, and it is not controlled by the Jewish uh, leaders. It's actually its own little area. And if you are a Jew, it is, it is Arab-controlled Jericho. Um, so you've got to go through checkpoints and things. Um, but back then, he goes through Jericho and he meets Zacchaeus. And he meets, uh, I think it's Bartimaeus. He, he heals some people. And then he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. If you read all the stories, all these, con, um, the, these gospel accounts. So, so Jericho was, was, was an interesting moment. And Bethany was a, was, was a beautiful place to be. But he's still going to Jerusalem. So here he is telling the story about how a king goes off from his kingdom, or a man goes off from his, his, his land to be crowned king, and then he returns. That's the parable right before this, this moment of triumphal entry in Luke chapter 19. And, and so this is, this is where he is, right? He's told the story, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and here we go, picking up from verse 28. So after Jesus had said this, talking about that parable, he went on ahead of him. Uh, He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples there, um, saying to them, Go to the village village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Uh, Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? The Lord needs it. Just say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And when they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. Uh, let me just say really quickly that that, um, that tactic of saying the Lord needs it whenever you go to try to borrow something doesn't always have the best results. Take it from my teenage self. It's not always... That's a whole different story. Okay, here we go. Uh, Verse 35. Uh, These people, (laughs) I love that. Uh, Lord needs it. Okay. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on this colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Remember what I just said. I went through Jericho. Um, there's an exciting thing that happened in Bethany. There's lots of miracles that have been happening in the last few days here uh, because of all the miracles they had seen. 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
Now, what I love about this moment is this is just Luke's version. You know, Matthew has a version and, and John has a version. I think Mark has, it's just, there's a lot of things going on here. But the thing that they all agree on is that everyone is following and praising and worshiping. And it's, just imagine, it's loud at this moment. Okay, so, so Jesus is being led down this road that has been prepared for him. God has been using his prophets for centuries to tell his people that the king is returning. And he's been using them to tell them how he was going to return. And the people, they knew the prophecies. If you were a Jewish child and you were growing up and uh, you heard the stories, you probably memorized the prophets. You memorized these, these passages in Scripture because they're important. Your parents talked about them. You, you relived them in these seasons and these festivals and feasts and, and, and you were you know, participating in these reenactments of these stories. You, know, you knew one day God's anointed was going to appear. Jesus knew the prophecy too. Come straight from Zechariah chapter 9. I'll read it straight from Zechariah. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus didn't just stumble into this moment. He knew what he was doing. God had anointed him king. You hear the voices. Listen to my son, I've chosen him. Listen to him. This is my son. I am well pleased in him. You've heard the voice. He heard the voices. He heard God, you know, ordain and anoint him. He had this transformational moment on this mountaintop. And he was returning now to his people. He was going to enter in a way that was familiar to them. A way that they would recognize. So his disciples, they collect this colt, this donkey, this young donkey, and Jesus gets on. Now, can you imagine how these disciples felt? Just put yourself in this, in this place for just a moment. Imagine how these disciples felt, okay? They see Jesus get on this donkey. You know, these, these, these men go and they say, I need this donkey, and they're probably thinking, no, what's happening? Jesus never rides a donkey. What's going on here? You know, they knew the prophecy. It's not an obscure prophecy. It's Zechariah, for crying out loud. And, and when Jesus got on this animal... It's almost Passover. Can you imagine what they thought? Is it, is it happening? Zechariah, Zechariah, remember Zechariah? It's happening, it's time. He's going to Jerusalem too. It's time. Hey, Peter, look what's happening. I mean, imagine the excitement here. And someone says, no, it's, it's a donkey. And they say, no, it's a colt. It's a foal of a donkey. It's just like it says in Scripture. Keep in mind, it's five days until Passover. People are choosing their sacrificial lambs to sacrifice on the 14th of, of the month. It's, it's the 10th of the month. I mean, imagine, this is a celebration where, where 
where people are remembering God delivered his people out of bondage. Okay, these disciples, they believe. They believe Peter's great, great declaration a few, a few days and months ago before this. Can you imagine how, how this probably revealed something to those disciples around him who were still kind of on the fence of, is this really the one or is he just a great prophet? You know, Peter's declaration said what others were afraid to say. But, you know, they all hoped beyond hope it was true. I mean, after all, what does Jesus mean? The word is Yeshua. That's his name. Jesus is the Greek derivative. Yeshua. Yeshua. That means God delivers. What sounds like Yeshua? Joshua. Same name. Yeshua. Joshua. God delivers. God saves. This was Yeshua. He is the one who has been written about, and it was finally going to come to pass. Now, I know others in the crowd, but it wasn't lost on them either. They saw this man, prophet, the one that they've seen and heard miracles about. They've, they've seen him riding on a colt. And you know, once that kind of talk starts, you can only imagine how the crowds just swelled. People gathered along the way to see Jesus ride to Jerusalem, to walk behind him. They were putting things in front of him, you know, uh, cloaks on the ground and raving palm branches. You know, the Mount of Olives, by the way, is right across from the eastern gate. You can see Jerusalem. You can see the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives. And, and, and because of Passover, if there are people on, in the temple courts, and, and that you could probably see this crowd of people coming down from the Mount of Olives, too. Of course, there's a lot of people here. At one point, they said that there could have been 500,000 lambs sacrificed in that little period of time. 500,000. So we're talking about there's a lot of people in this area. Okay, so because of this Passover and because of Jesus, and be, there were crowds that had started to gather. And in Luke, we hear them singing and referring to the psalm from Psalm 118. This is what the psalm says. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. Verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. 26, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Whenever they were going up to Passover, any festival, they would always sing. Singing was part of their culture. It was part of their life and their family. Worship was part of their language. And they were singing the song of ascent because, you know, Jerusalem's on the city on a hill and you're, you're walking up to Jerusalem. And they would sing this song and Jesus is riding his cult and they're singing this song. They're used to worshiping. But now they were singing because the king was coming. I mean, I just, I want us to just imagine these people believed it in their bones. They put it all out there. The king is coming. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These people were oppressed. They were occupied, despised as inferior. Can you imagine that? The people of God were inferior to the Romans. And Jesus had come to save. Yeshua was going to deliver he had come to rescue. He has come to enter the gate of righteousness. He was coming in the name of the Lord. And in Matthew and John, their account, people cry, Hosanna! Hosanna! They gathered palm branches. As Jake mentioned earlier, this word Hosanna, it's loaded. This was the zealot war cry. Zealots were the ones who were willing to do whatever 
it took to become a nation again. They were radical. They were the Jewish version of a radical jihadi. They were radical. They would cry out, Hosanna. Palm branches, they probably weren't allowed into the city at that time because palm branches were actually a sign of rebellion and political extremism. They were on the currency of the Jews, those old coins that were symbols of their national identity, of what they used to be. Politically charged symbols. So imagine this, the shouts of Hoshana, 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 Hosanna. It's interesting. This war cry. Imagine that, how terrifying this must have, must have been for the leaders of Israel. For these men who were trying to keep everybody controlled because they had a deal going with the Romans that the Romans wouldn't you know, wipe them out if they could manage and maintain control. And I tell you, in the midst of occupation, the shout of Hosanna is frightening to anyone who is in charge religiously. So imagine that section of Luke 19, the very end, when he says this. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, I, I, don't, I think that word said may be a little bit mild. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. <laughs> Teacher, do you know what they're doing? Teacher, the Romans are going to hear. Teacher, what, what's going on here? And Jesus says, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The king has returned. The king is here. I mean, the crowds, they knew what Jesus had done. They knew of his miracles. They'd seen him firsthand. They knew what his, this man was capable of. Think about it. He could feed multitudes. He could bring people back to life. If you had this man in your army, you would win. You could feed all your army and no one would ever die. They were ready. And this man, he had a direct connection with God. He, he was the king. He was the Messiah. And soon the Romans would be gone. So for many, they were praising Jesus and looking to him as the hope they'd been waiting for. You know, he was the only hope for many of these people. The only hope. So they worshipped. These people had nothing else. So they worshipped him. They praised him. What did it matter if these people were politically motivated? I mean, did it matter that what they wanted was an outcome of force and power? I don't think so. You know why? Because Jesus had already won. This Psalm 118 we read talks about a victorious king. One is already victorious, he's already won. What these people knew, what did matter, is that these people were in the midst of an awful, awful situation. Difficulty I hope we never, ever experience. And they chose to stand up and to worship. Here are a few things before we go I want you to remember. I want you to think about. Worship is a declaration. Worship is a few things, but it's, it's a declaration. It's the declaration of the world of who we trust, who we believe in, who we hope, who we follow. I continue to be moved by the story of one of our members here. A few weeks ago, she lost her daughter very suddenly. I asked her if I could tell the story, and she said I could. Her daughter was beautiful, young in her 30s, with three beautiful children, a loving husband, and a career where she was able to use her gifts 
and, and, and her talents and experience were, were welcomed. She is missed, and she is still mourned. For the funeral, they chose to wear bright colors. They wanted to surround the memorial with singing. Now, some of you know the feeling of what it feels like to be in a funeral, especially if it's one that you love dearly. You know the numbness that takes over you, how you just want it to stop, how you really would rather just wake up. You know the moments of denial, the moments where it just gets overwhelming, you know, the grief is overwhelming, and, and, and some of you know these moments so dearly, and they hit you one right after the other, and you wonder, am I really going to make it through the next 45 minutes? I'm sure Roberta struggled with these things same emotions but she told me something she said that when it was time to begin to sing she had a choice she could either stayed and sat continued to sit no one would have blamed her if she would have continued to sit but she chose to stand she chose to worship she said that when she stood and began to sing, others joined. Tears flowed. Volume increased. And the Spirit filled the room. She said 30 people left that funeral transformed. 30 people in that moment decided to follow Jesus, to put their life in His hands and to go on the road He has given them. Roberta chose to worship the God who gave her the life of her daughter. And because of her choice, because of the legacy of her daughter, 30 people are alive now. I mean, how awesome is that? It was a moment when they declared together that Jesus was their only hope. So as we come in here each and every day, each and every time we worship, is our worship a declaration? Are we declaring to the world who it is that we follow and what it is we believe? Are we willing to do that? Here's one other thing I want you to remember. These people who were shouting for Jesus, they were doing it together. They could have done it alone, but they didn't. They gathered together around Jesus and they declared they declared with the one voice that he was the one who had come in the name of the Lord. We talk about dangerous. But there's power in numbers. So yesterday across most every state, there was a protest initiated by students from a high school that had experienced a mass shooting in the last couple of weeks. Now before you begin to take issues on the side, all the issues are very complex. Before you take sides, I want you to recognize, at least recognize... That these students are people who feel deeply about this issue. Now say what you want to about their politics. Or about who we think is controlling them. Or who it is. Whatever the argument is. These people feel deeply about their, their issue. And these people were fully present in the midst of their march. And their walking on that on yesterday think about it in a world where most church members i'll be honest most church members will miss church at the drop of a hat for whatever reason or another these people a lot of them students they sacrificed the ball field for a saturday march 
How many of us do that for Sunday? I'm right there with you. They sacrifice trips to the ball field, their tiredness, their reputation, their privacy. And the way the protests have been going lately, they sacrificed, could have sacrificed their safety so that they could declare to the world what they believed. And they were doing it together. What, as Christians, do we sacrifice in the name of Jesus to that extent? This moment right here that we're talking about on Palm Sunday was in every sense of the word a protest against the Jewish leaders, the corrupt system, and what Israel had become. Imagine how scary this was for the religious establishment. It's a declaration by this crowd of Jews and they declared it together through worship. These people, they were focused on Jesus and for a moment they were out front showing the world who deserved worship. And they were willing to sacrifice everything to do that. Worship puts us out in front of the world. It puts us out in front. So today I'm going to encourage you, let your worship be a declaration. Do it together. You know, in spirit and in truth, let our protest rise to the principalities and the powers of this world so that we could tell them who is really worthy of our praise and our attention, who is our source of ultimate hope. Because when we do, even in the midst of our grief and suffering, that declaration will yield eternal and lasting results. Amen? Think about it. The final week of Jesus was so tumultuous. I cannot even imagine the grief and anguish he went through. But the praise that, that, that welcomed him into this city. Can you imagine it hung in the air throughout these four few days? And, and, and just imagine in the end, when Jesus hung on this cross, he gave up this spirit. He says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. And the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. In Mark it says, Surely this man was the Son of God. Did you hear that? (laughs) When you are declaring through worship, whenever we do it together, it is so powerful. That worship will hang in the air and find its way to the lips of a centurion of the one that everyone seems to think has no hope whatsoever. It found its way onto the lips of a centurion, the enemy. See what God's doing here? The road we're on is leading to life. It's leading to resurrection. We'll talk about that next week. And I know that some of you are traveling down this road. I know some of you aren't. I know some of you, it is the toughest road you have ever taken. But I want to encourage you, keep your eyes on Jesus endure choose to worship together declare as a group as a family that he is our ultimate hope and if people around you are stopped pick them up encourage them remind them of what is to come this is all it's what we have and it's what we can do so as we sing in the next moment i want you to think through this what is your response to this moment if you need help finding your way again i'm here our elders are all around i'll be here now and after the service let's stand together and let's sing